With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back on Inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller alongside myself, Jeff Nowak. And we are talking about coaches, head coaches, assistant coaches. Some of them got fired. Some of them didn't. Some of them might. We'll find out. Pete Carmichael is no longer the offense coordinator. Cody Burns is no longer the wide receivers coach. And Bob Bicknell is no longer doing whatever Bob Bicknell was doing. Have we ever talked to Bob Bicknell? These offensive assistant roles. It's funny because they have a like a lot of times these offensive assistant roles are specific, but we don't know what they are. Like DJ Williams is like the quarterback's assistant and he works with Derek Carr. You know, he does a bunch of drills and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know what Bob Bicknell was doing. Anyway, he's out. Clearly that didn't work out. Um, you know, and so you know, people will look at this and and the thing that I need people to realize is so there were three names fired today. Those are the three names that you got into the offseason and you're like, move on. Right. Right. Now you are in an evaluation process where you're going to look at everything. And so I think you're going to end up seeing more coaches moved on from, but there's a chance that you hire an offensive coordinator before you make those final determinations. Hey y'all, Jeff Nowak again, wanted to drop a note in here as well. In case anyone happens upon this section of the podcast and did not listen to the first, we talk a lot about running backs coach, Joel Thomas in this segment. He has since taken the running backs coach job with the Giants. So that is a fourth roster change. That news came out shortly after we recorded the podcast. Just one of those annoying things about recording podcasts this time of year. So if anyone's confused, this was recorded prior to Joel Thomas leaving, but there's still a lot of good information in there. So I left it in. Thanks y'all for listening. Who that? Go Saints. Woohoo. For example, just throwing out there, if it's John Gruden and John Gruden says, I want to work with this wide receivers coach, like you're not going to hire a wide receivers coach to work with an offensive coordinator to be named later. Right? Yeah. So and, I, I, I think that's this, the next step. This makes more sense now too, obviously, of why you're letting someone like Joel Thomas uh, interview for a the same job kind of thing with another team. 
a lateral yeah, move. Yeah, we we kind of alluded to this in terms of Atlanta, where Atlanta and Carolina are blocking right um, their special teams coordinators from interviewing for the Giants' special teams coordinator job. And you can do that for lateral moves. Like this comes up every offseason, it seems like. Particularly, you know, we all had a crash course in what happens when your head coach leaves and tries to poach the entire staff. Um, if it's a lateral move, the team can block it. If it is a an objective promotion, yeah, you can't block it. So if your running backs coach is interviewing to be an offensive coordinator, you couldn't block that. If your assistant GM, which is happening, Kay Harley, Kai Harley and Jeff Ireland are interviewing for GM jobs, you can't block it. Now, the Falcons and the Panthers could block their special teams coordinators from interviewing with the Giants because it's the same position. The Giants also requested to interview Joel Thomas, the Saints running backs coach, for their running backs coach opening. And the Saints did not block it. They could have. They chose right. not to. And so you're looking at this and you're saying, well, why wouldn't they do that? It's like if if you were committed to bringing him back, if you were like, no, we want to keep him, 100% you would have blocked it. It doesn't mean that you are, you've already decided you're going to move on from him, but it does mean that you are okay with the prospect of moving on from him, which in and of itself tells you a lot, considering he's a guy that's been here since 2015. And I do think that there, to some level, is this idea that Sean Payton guys are no longer safe in their jobs. Um, it's no longer you've been here forever. It is, are you doing the job that we need you to do now? Um, and I think Joel Thomas very much so could be another name on this list as could Doug Marone. Um, but you know, it's like, again, it's going to, I think the offense, the offensive line coach in a lot of ways has got to be kind of an extension of the offensive coordinator. So I think that relationship is going to be important. No, it's very interesting to see what's going to happen now because yeah, I agree too that that number one domino that's got to happen first is who is Dennis Allen going to pick as his new defensive, his offensive coordinator. And then you kind of, uh, I picked their brain, I'm sure, on what staff members they were interested in bringing in and, you know, hash it out that kind of way. But, yeah, there, there's not going to be any – there might be some more moves. Maybe, you know, like Joel Thomas takes a job somewhere else. But, yeah, I don't see this team hiring anybody. But it, the offensive coordinator has got to fall in line, number one. Yeah, I do think the running backs coach is interesting, right? Because you look at it and you say, he's been here since 2015, but that doesn't mean that – you know, he's the future. It just means that he work, has worked really well with Alvin Kamara. Right. And I, going into this season, that would have probably guaranteed you a job of like Alvin Kamara is such a big piece of this offense. And like having his approval alone was probably enough to keep you in that role. You weren't firing Joel Thomas and hiring someone just to just to get younger or to find someone who could develop young players. But now I do think you're in that where Alvin, you know, is is getting up there. He's still an effective player. He's going to be under contract. I don't think that fiscally it makes it would make any sense to move on from him. But I do think you need to skew younger at the running back position and you need to focus your hiring more on okay, how does this guy work with Kendra Miller? How does this guy work with a running back that I would expect them to draft? I think you're going to draft another running back in this this year's draft and it's just a question of who. Um and 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 because I, I don't anticipate Jamal Williams being in that role next year um, unless he comes into camp and, and looks like a different guy. Um, so I, I do think that's interesting. And I think that's why when you're considering moving on from a guy, that's that's where you look at it. Because uh, I don't think it'll make, it'll make Alvin happy. But I also don't think you can make decisions based on these veteran players keeping them happy at the expense of young players developing. 
Um, and like, for example, you talk about Cody Burns. He's a young guy. He's worked well with the young guys, but I don't, I think that's a good indicator that he maybe lost control of that room. Yeah, that was one element. And I know we talked about, you know, some of the, the coaching, uh, on the offensive side of the football. I didn't think the, the wide receiver room was an issue. The only issue for me has been Michael Thomas and the lack of health. And sadly, uh, we got to see him a little long, longer than I thought, honestly, this season. Uh, but in the end, it was the same, same old Mike T issue. Yeah, and, and, and you know, a lot of these firings are, you know, a lot of these decisions are going to come out of what went wrong this past season and why, when those cracks showed, why were those cracks there? You know, and, you know, it, with Mike, with Mike, it's just like, I'm tired of it personally. I'm tired of having to go on Twitter and try to, interpret what the hell he's talking about i'm shazamming um, lyrics to see if that's what it what it is well and like and clear you know and, and clearly he doesn't care in terms of he's willing to just do say anything at any time regardless of what the impact of it might be or like the interpretation of it might be um because it's not like he's saying like he's he's saying these vague things and forcing you to interpret them for him and it's like well maybe he's just tweeting a nipsey hustle lyric or maybe he's actually directing this specifically at one person and i don't know maybe he's upset that they fired cody burns you know but the timing of it would have come out and said like around the same time as like cody might have been texting his receiver saying i'm leaving i'm out of a job so maybe i don't know maybe that's what it is maybe he's saying that he really likes cody and but but i don't know that's the annoying thing and he deactivated his twitter account prior to the end of the season it would not shock me at all if there is some sort of social media um, clause in these contracts that says you have to behave yourself on social media or we can, or, or, or we can, you know, find you or what, whatever. Cause I don't yeah. think it's a coincidence that immediately after that kind of tirade during the lions game, he deactivated his Twitter. And then I don't know, days after the season ended, like, I don't know exactly when it came back, but it was like a matter of hours following the end of the regular season for the saints. And suddenly his account was back online. <laughs> and he's back tweeting stuff that's like questionably about people that you're talking. So I don't know. Like I, I think that there was a there was a level to which the the locker room itself was kind of fracturing, and he was not a productive part of that in terms of making sure everyone is on the same page. That's the kindest way I can put it. Is that that there were players in the room who were trying to go out and win games. And they succeeded toward the end of the season. And there were not players necessarily committed to that. And I think like when you when you look, it's like, okay, why do we need to reshuffle things? Why do we need to start fresh in a lot of ways? I think that's what you're looking at is, is how that situation devolved. And, and what frustrates me with Mike is, and this is kind of leading into the next segment, we're going to talk about free agents, is this team is bent over backwards for this man. Like I, I – I understand the frustration and I understand that the things weren't going a certain way and you, 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 you want to vent, you want to do whatever, but like how many games has he played the last three years? Right. How much are you supposed to cater to one person? Yeah. To me, it's, it's been a whole been weird situation just because you hear the stories about, you know, misdiagnosis of injuries. And is that something well, see, I don't put worried? that on him, but yeah, yeah. But I'm saying he's, is he blaming the team on that? So there's that kind of bitterness there. And I don't know. Mike definitely was someone who does not like talking to the media, but 
Um, I'm with you in the fact that I'm tired of your cryptic messages and just tell me what you really mean. I'm trying, I don't want to like try and diagnose and figure out exactly what you're talking about in each tweet. I think Mike is a guy who will ride or die for, for the guys he supports in the locker room. And I think that's a majority of the players. Like, I think that he's gonna, he, he's not a guy who's going to be a bad teammate to you specifically, but he is a guy who's going to undermine the coaching staff. And I think that's what, that's what was happening. And like, because, you know, like he, he and Chris Olave are close. Like, I think like there's so many Ohio State guys in this locker room, right? Like, right. he's not, he's never going to be the guy who snipes at his teammates or at least not, you know, Derek Carr notwithstanding, right? Like, I think that's kind of where it is. It's like, but you have to be a, either, I think you're a hundred percent in or you're a hundred percent out, at least publicly, right? And when, when it starts to be the case of like, you're, you're negotiating stuff through the, through social media of things that you believe in. It's like, that's gotta be in the locker room, bud. And if it's not, it's like, whether, whether I agree with what you're saying or not, it's on you because you have turned this into a circus. And, and that's why it's frustrating just because like they could have cut, like, I don't know. Like we, we get into, and we're going to get into this next segment, but it, it comes back to this idea of like, what is the downside to renegotiating all these contracts and restructuring all these contracts and pushing them down the road? Well, you get into this scenario where probably should have moved on from Mike Thomas after last season. Heck, you probably should have done it two seasons ago. But right. because of the way the contracts are structured, the conversation is no longer just, does it make sense to bring this guy back? It is, does it make sense to bring this guy back at the cost of this? Right, right. And I think that's where you are with Mike Thomas, because I just don't think he was ever fully on board with with this coaching staff for, um, you know, and, and, and he's mercurial. And a lot of these wide receivers are mercurial, right? Like you remember in the preseason where he's saying, thank you, Jesus, because they signed Derek Carr. Um, but that, I think like here quick. Yeah. And so this this is all kind of just just lumped into the Cody Burns part of it <laughs> of like, uh, you know, I think controlling the situation and, and keeping things on track is a big part of a position coach, right? Like that's part of your job. There's, there's development, there's install, there's game plan, but then there's also just, you know, managing people and leading a group. And in the end, I think that's probably what you're looking at in terms of the wide receiver room is, is like, it just didn't go well enough, enough of the time. Yeah. To me, I mean, I, I, I'm still a little surprised by that one just because we, I thought we saw pretty good development from a guy like a, a young guy, like AT Perry. Obviously yeah, there were, there were some scenarios even in game where it's like, Oh my God, what the hell are you doing? But really towards the end of the season, when the offense was, you know, picking things up in general, uh, Perry, Perry was, you, you've saw a lot of good things from him. So yeah. Interesting with the Cody Burns departure. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But don't forget... You know, the first half of the season was just oh, yeah. littered with saying this guy ran the wrong route. This guy ran the wrong yeah. route. There's a mistake here, mistake here, mistake here. You know, why is Chris Olave loafing? Why doesn't he look right. invested? Right. So, I mean, like, while it did go well at the end, you, you could probably point to that and say, well, why wasn't this offense as consistent as it needed to be early in the year? Yeah. So, 
I don't know. But, you know, I, I think people are going to continue to be frustrated. They're going to, because, because I think a lot of people have decided that it's either Dennis Allen's fired or right. I'm not happy. And, and I get it. I understand why you're annoyed with Dennis Allen and why this last two years has been very frustrating. But to me, this was always the question of who are you moving on from? And to it, I, it's not going to make everyone happy, but I do think that it had to happen in terms of, you know, you, you have to restructure, you know, the crazy thing. And I saw this stat, uh, I can't remember who it is, but the now without, now that Pete Carmichael has been fired, the longest tenured offensive coordinator is like been in that job for like five years. Wow. Like it's a quick, there's a lot of turnover at offense coordinator. And in right. some cases, NFL, not for long. That's what they say. Well, but it's funny though, because in, in most cases you would say, you know, the reason for that is because if you are a successful offensive coordinator to the point that you will stick in that job for five plus years, you're probably a head coach candidate by the end of it. Right. Like Ben Johnson, right? Like, like he, the Lions would never fire him. Kyle Shanahan, right? Like, like these guys, they, they're never going to get fired. They will inevitably be promoted to head coach somewhere. Right. Uh, and that's why it, it's not necessarily because, you know, guys get fired. But if you're a failure as an offense coordinator, you usually figure that out before you're five. Um, I just think it's funny. Uh, but like, that's, that's why it can't be the excuse can't be new offensive coordinator. That's why we struggled because you look around the league and, and guys are succeeding with first year offense coordinators all the time. Um, and uh, yeah, like the, the, the one we haven't talked about yet is what happens with Ronald Curry. Right. Um, do you just, pr- do you promote Ronald Curry? Can you do that? Is that the answer? I don't know. I, I, feel like you're going to go outside the organization, but then what does that mean for Ronald Curry? Because he's been right. getting offensive coordinator interviews elsewhere as well. So what do you do with him? What do you do with the quarterback's coach? Um, that's a good question. And we'll, I'm sure we'll find out. No, like I said, it's now it's like going down the list of, all right, who are legitimate offensive coordinators you could see Dennis Allen bringing in uh, for this offense. And like I said, obviously number one at the top, we all know. No, it's no secret. It's you know, John Gruden is a name that this team is definitely interested in as well. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of uh, it's 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 like questions I don't want to like. It, it's a it's a scenario I don't want to have to figure out. Like like when the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson, and I was just like, thank God, right? Like, we don't have to don't, deal with that crap. Just, like this, it's just not something I want. Like a, I, I don't like it. Period. And B, it's like from from a stress perspective of having to yeah. navigate that emotionally and and whatever like that's not I, I i was very happy to see him go somewhere else and you know i think we're, we're gonna end it's obviously not as extreme uh in that way as uh as deshaun's situation was but it's still very questionable from a moral perspective of, of yeah. like what you're looking at so that's going to be a bridge we half uh, you know if, if if that bridge exists i'll walk across it and figure out how to do that right it's but one of those with, with gruden obviously you don't want to piss off your players or fan base well that's the other thing and that's why you know like yeah i mean they're not going to worry too much about the fan base the fan base is already pissed off how much <laughs> more pissed off could they be uh but they are they do need to that is something that i think it, it will be important to to talk to the players about and maybe they've already done that yeah, he was here. He has, been a, he has been a consultant for the team. Yeah, we talked to Jameis about it when he was here, and you know, we I didn't hear anything from anyone saying like I didn't, I didn't feel like this was, this was helpful. Yeah, um, 
you know, and, and so we'll, we'll figure that out. But, uh, again, it's like, I think that's a, that's another podcast for maybe, uh, next week is <laughs> here's the, here's the offensive coordinators that, uh, and by then we'll probably have a list of interviews. I was going to say, right? maybe, maybe we know, maybe they got their guy to- too. And they're, they're, they're dotting the I's and crossing the T's on that. Who knows? I, I, uh, I'm unlikely. You think there's going to be a long process in this? I don't know about long, but it's not a, it's, it, I don't think it's going to be a short process. Like the, the, I think the saints are very methodical. And again, you got to get this right. Um, oh yeah. DA knows that for sure. And and it's like, okay, who, who you got to come up with a pool of candidates. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if the NFL has rules relative to mandatory interviews for offensive coordinator. Cause like, obviously they have like the Rooney rule for head coach. So you, like you couldn't, you know, the Patriots are the only team that I've ever seen just promote somebody and not have it go through any type of interview process. Really? That well, they're weird. like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to promote from within. Annie is a minority. You can't say shit. Well, I do wonder how that process would have gone. If it, if it wasn't, if it wasn't Gerard Mayo, if it was like Josh McDaniel or, you know, yeah, whoever. Yeah, right. Josh McDaniel obviously isn't on that staff, but you, you know, the idea because, because I think there are rules relative to that. Um, and they, that's probably how they were able to circumvent it. So I don't know. It's going to be a whole thing. That's why I hate coaching searches because they're also they're so um, just all over the place, uh, and everyone has an opinion, and and it's so ill informed so much of the time. I, I know definitely. Um, besides Gruden, a big time name that everybody knows that I think is it'll be interesting and. Uh, you know, with Washington clearing house, Eric yeah. Bieniemy, obviously, who had been in Kansas City for so long, and they they interviewed him for the head coach job back when they right, did it. Right so there, you go. There's familiarity there. He's from here. Um, yeah, and but it is it is always funny to me because it's like you're talking about offense coordinator, and it's like okay, your pool of candidates are people who either don't have that job right now, but you feel like could do that job, or slash a group of people who is not taking in is not getting an opportunity to be a head coach. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you there's this like really narrow pool of P of, of, of a candidates who, you know, maybe it's a former head coach who failed. Like, look at like defensive coordinator, like Dan Quinn, right. Dennis Allen, when he was with the saints, like yeah, exactly. you're kind of like going through the dregs. Like that's why like Arthur Smith, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be a, a huge shock in terms of like, that's the type of candidate you're looking at is like a lot of times it's guys who got a head coaching job and failed, but are still good offensive coordinators. Like that's how they got the job in the first place. Like Arthur Smith isn't a head coach if he wasn't a great offensive coordinator for the Titans. Nick Sirianni, another example. Like Shane Steichen with the Eagles, right? Now the Eagles suck on offense because he's head coach somewhere else. Well, what happens when Shane Steichen loses 28 games in three seasons and now he's back? He's like, oh, he's probably going to be the head coach of the Eagles. Anyway, it's <laughs> it's so it, – it's, it's a weird like cycle, a cannibalistic right? thing of uh, – I don't know. Uh, like I want, I, I was like, Hey, Brian Dable gets fired. I want him as my office coordinator right now. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, the, the, the problem with the enemy, the problem, uh, and, and and this is, I, I truly, truly believe this. The issue with hiring the enemy is going to be that he's going to be in all these head coaching interviews. He gets them every year. So the process is going to get drawn out a lot more because if, if, if he wants to be a head coach, he's going to have to wait them all out. 
And so he's not going to settle for an offensive coordinator job early on in that process. And how long do you want to wait into your off season? Yeah, you got to get into draft. You got to start talking about like, oh, do we need a do we want a quarterback? And, and, and what sucks is because he is a minority candidate, there's more likelihood teams are just bringing him in to satisfy that Rooney rule too. Yeah, I do think there's probably some discussion to be had about about how productive that rule is, and maybe right. there should be some adjustments. Um, like, it, and and it's also like, for example, like I've always felt it was strange the whole like comp picks. So if Kai Harley gets hired by the Panthers, the Saints get two comp picks. And I've always thought that was strange because it, it, it's it's meant to incentivize teams to develop minority candidates in front right. offices. And I understand that part of it. But when it comes down to the hiring part of it, if you're equal, if you have two candidates and you feel really good about both of them, and one of them would mean that you give a division rival two third-round picks. Right. It's like, what? That's not helping that. Put, like, you, the idea of these rules should be to help these candidates. And I think at a certain point it hurts the candidate agreed it's just strange and and i don't like and i do think it's an issue and like the minority hiring needs to be looked at i just don't know if the current rules are doing having the intended effect although the falcons didn't care about hiring terry fontenot and giving us some picks yeah no it it does happen it does happen new orleans you'll waste them anyway but I don't think, like, I just think it's weird because I don't think that the Saints hot promoted Terry Fontenot because, well, one day he might get hired as a head as a GM and we'll get two comp picks. Like, no, I don't right. know how much, like, there should be incentives to promoting minorities into into positions, you know. And but I don't know if that, I just don't know if what exists right now is actually having that Working. effect. Yeah. Um. But I, I mean, I'm sure the Saints wouldn't complain if they got two third round comp picks because those are those are valuable. Um, now that doesn't that wouldn't apply to someone like Joel Thomas or would it it's only GMs okay Um, or front office it's not coaches it does not right right, head coaches Um, which is another issue right you know like I asked for examples of guys getting fired for 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 (laughs) like no reason in terms of you got better year over year you you know you finished with a winning record Brian Flores well I don't think technically I think he he's a close example. He's not the example, but like year three, he went nine and eight, won like seven of his last eight games and got fired. But like that's obviously like he sued the NFL. Yeah, right. It's a big <laughs> different scenario. Well, I mean, it's not a different. It's not hugely. It's slightly different, but it's not hugely different in the sense that like that firing was so like mal like like mal intended that it was like so obvious. That he was, it's like, and then obviously the the Giants part of it, if you remember, is Bill Belichick texted Brian Flores, congratulations. Um, and he meant Brian Dable. Yeah, pretty funny stuff. Yeah, it's weird. Anyway, this this went completely sideways in terms of uh, the topics. I don't even know where we are right now. But Saints fired Pete Carmichael, Cody Burns, Bob Bicknell. There's going to be some hirings. We're going to, it's going to be a topic of several podcasts, I am sure. So the only sneaky Pete we have now is Pete Werner. Yes, he can fully accept that nickname. <laughs> the sneaky Pete Werner. That is his now. He owns it. It's his. Whatever he wants with it. But all right, let's wrap up this segment. We're going to come back. I want to go through the, the list of free agents. And, you know, again, like we were talking about the offensive coordinator, I think it's 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 interesting because you're going to be making some decisions on some of these players based on, it's like, look at, you know, when Sean ended up in Denver, all of these free agents that could have been signed suddenly became former Saints. <laughs> You know, um, so it's going to be something to watch. But all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. We will be right back.